is the Storymobile podcast. We are a solar-powered moving art space that travels to events and through neighborhoods to collect your stories. The St. Paul Almanac book was created in 2005 and has since been released annually. The goal is to bring together the diverse community of St. Paul through literary arts. The Almanac is a meeting place for sharing stories and artwork of our community. This year, the St. Paul Almanac released their 11th volume, On a Collected Path. As part of a reading festival, authors have gathered at various venues throughout St. Paul to read their fabulous work. On Wednesday, May 10th, readers gathered at the East Side Freedom Library to read their pieces from St. Paul Almanac's Volume 11, On a Collected Path. All right, and our next reader is Mary Virginia Winstead. Where'd she go? Oh, <laughs> sorry. All right. Mary is a Twin Cities-based writer. She earned her BA in English from St. Catherine University and her MFA in Creative Writing from the University of Minnesota. Her work has appeared in numerous magazines and newspapers. Her memoir, Back to Mississippi, a personal journal through the events that changed America in 1964, won the 2003 Minnesota Book Award for nonfiction. She lives in Apple Valley. Welcome, Mary. Well, thank you all for being here. And it's, can you hear me okay? It's wonderful to be in this beautiful space. I've never been here before, and it's absolutely welcoming and wonderful. So thank you for hosting it. I had a Carnegie Library in my neighborhood growing up, and it was my favorite place. I would ride my bike there with my sister. It was near Lake Harriet. And spent, I just can't even tell you how many happy hours I spent in that library. So this is a treat. The piece I'm going to read today, I've written about this time in my life a lot. Um, and it was in the late 80s, early 90s, I'd just gone through a really difficult and contentious divorce. And I was rebuilding my life as a single mom with three kids and going to St. Kate's full time. And flat broke. But one of the ways, the most, probably the most important way that I got through that time was that all of a sudden I found myself surrounded by communities of women, friends, the sisters at St. Kate's, and this group of women. And the name of my essay is The Nice Grandmas. It was an older building on Grand and Saratoga. Three levels of charming studio apartments full of original woodwork. The landlady showed me an L-shaped corner unit with a Murphy bed in the living room, a built-in china cabinet in the dining area, a large dressing room, and a bathroom with a clawfoot tub. The rent was $250 a month within my student budget. There were storage lockers, a laundry, and a security door. It was just right for a single person. And in April of 1985, I was newly single. Everything about it was perfect, except I had three children under the age of eight. It's not that the landlady told me the children weren't allowed. After all, the apartments were too small for kids. But I couldn't afford more, and I certainly wasn't going to ask. Besides, my children would only be there on days when I didn't have classes. The rest of the time, they were with their dad and his new wife in the suburbs. Even if I had been able to afford more, I didn't want to rattle around in an apartment that was large enough to remind me how alone I was when they were gone. With my sofa, 
the double Murphy bed, and a cot to sleep on. We'd make this work. So I took the apartment, saying nothing about my three kids. The building was filled with little old ladies, one per studio. Gert lived one floor down, Margie lived upstairs, and Audrey's apartment was next door to Gert's. At first, when the kids came to visit on weekends and a couple of overnights during the week, I urged them to be quiet, but it was difficult for three little kids to thump and bump their way up two flights of squeaky stairs, wrestle like bear cubs, and chase each other up and down the hall without making any noise. <laughs> Betty's, apart Betty's apartment was just across the hall. She and I would chat at the mailboxes in the entry, and sometimes I'd help her with her groceries and laundry when we met on the stairs. She had worked as a, as a nurse, had never been married, and her only family was a niece in Iowa. Before long, the noise of the kids brought her to her front door with a box of vanilla wafers. Soon she had crayons and coloring books on her coffee table. And before long, the kids were spending the afternoon in her apartment, sucking on banana popsicles and watching cartoons. <laughs> now at the mailbox, she was asking me when our kids were coming to visit and they would knock on Betty's door the minute they dropped their overnight bags on the floor. Then she offered to look after them while I went to class. With their lunches in the refrigerator, the kids went back and forth between Betty's apartment and mine through our open front doors. On warm summer evenings, Betty and her friends, wearing snap front house coats and white tennis shoes, took their aluminum folding lawn chairs outside and sat on the lawn in front of the building in a semicircle, talking, eating popcorn, and drinking iced tea. The kids would play under the enormous pine tree in the yard and take handfuls of popcorn that they shoved into their mouths and washed down with cherry Kool-Aid. Candy dishes began to appear on each of our neighbor's coffee tables, and as soon as the kids burst through the security door, they worked the building as if it was Halloween. <laughs> now they were telling one, everyone about the nice grandmas. But Betty was the grandma we bonded with. Crayons of superheroes were stuck to her Betty's refrigerator. We ran her errands, picked up milk and bread at the grocery store on the corner of Grand and Fairview, dusted her living room, and lugged baskets of her clean laundry up from the basement. At Christmas, we baked her cookies and gave her a white knitted shawl, which she wore whenever the kids came to visit. She became their third grandma, and they became her grandkids. We stayed for two years until I graduated from St. Kate's, got a job, and found an apartment across the river in Minneapolis with enough bedrooms for all of us. For a while, we stopped by on warm summer evenings to see the nice grandmas and visit with Betty. But she got sick and frail and unable to live on her own. And one day, she moved to a home in Iowa to live near her only niece. We never saw her again. After 30 years, we still talk about Betty and the nice grandmas, but mostly about how a single mom with three children found an extended family in a Grand Avenue apartment building where we weren't supposed to belong in the first place. Thank you. To hear more stories, learn more about Storymobile, and to find out where we'll be pedaling off to next, visit storymobile.org.